I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. The nation is going back on vacation. Join us August 12th to August 15th when we load up a plane and go to Toronto to catch not one, but two Blue Jays baseball games and a Toronto FC game Not only does your trip include tickets to those games, but it also includes your flight to and from Toronto three nights in a downtown Toronto hotel and your transportation to and from the airport. Plus, we will even throw in a limited edition piece of Nation Gear. Join us August 12th to 15th as the nation heads to Toronto to watch a little baseball. Get all the information at nationgear.ca. Episode 11 of BLT Bets, Bag Milk fist pumping to the beat. Bag Milk's back on the show. It's a good jam, man. I just want to say when you go on vacation, it's a big adjustment for me because we talk to each other. We do a show together every single day of the week and then you're gone and I'm like, damn. Yes. Mm -hmm. It was nice. It was a nice break, but good to be back. Got some betting to do. Did you do any betting while you were on vacation? I didn't do any betting when I was on vacation. So now... The goal here is to bet my way out of the money I spent on vacation. That's always a good strategy. Yeah. That's like... I was the big V. (laughs) I mean, you probably could call it anything other than that, Liam. Whoa. That's what I call it. (laughs) Bag Milk, he's asking you how your vacation was. Oh, um, sorry. That's what the big V is. Uh, yeah, it was good, man. It was, uh, eat too much, drink too much, you know, nice little vacay, get a little sun. My rule on vacation, and this is probably not a good rule that people should follow, but if I go to a sporting event while I'm on vacation, however much my ticket is worth, that is how much I wager on the game. Cause then if you have a good time, basically like you went for free and if they bet loses well you're on vacation who cares vacation money it doesn't count once you're back home yeah it's gone it is yeah well that's that's exactly it so now i i'm in a hole then with that in mind so now i gotta get out of the hole that's a good point um like when we go to toronto for example on our trip I plan on betting heavily on the blue jays to win those games and if the jays come through for me the trip's paid for 
Well, exactly. I mean, yeah. it's it's just smart living right there. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we will get into baseball, we'll get into F1. Those are kind of the two sports we're going to be mainly talking about now because there's literally nothing else going on. Um, but first, Stanley Cup final. Avs beat the Lightning in six games. Um, how did we all do on our series bets? Mine was the one that I got most excited about when we started doing it was even money for McKinnon over 27 and a half shots in that series. So I, I went heavier than I normally would on a bet on that one. But to me, I thought it was free money and ultimately it proved to be true. So at a plus 100 for 20, over 27 and a half shots, you take that all day. Yeah. I didn't really I, even bet on it. I was just so disappointed that the Oilers were out that I just forgot and just didn't really watch that much. I respect that. I, I didn't watch much of it either, to be honest. I uh, did get my bets in though. So the McKinnon one hit for me. Palat over four points hit for me. Kucherov over two and a half goals though. No boy, no on that one. Yeah, I was with you on all three of those. And then I also did Kucherov over 20 and a half shots on goal in the series. And he had one through the first two games. And it was like, shit. Uh, but then he rattled off six in a couple of games. So he ended up with six, 12, 14, 16, 17. So probably needed one more game out of Nikita Kucherov to hit that one. It didn't end up happening. He didn't go over two and a half goals. So I ended up splitting on the four props that I put money on. But then I lost because I did wager twice on the lightning once at the beginning of the series once when they went down one nothing so uh not a great run for me betting futures over the stanley cup playoffs um was definitely a better regular season better uh in the nhl i, I saw your uh your piece on daily face-off show yesterday you want yeah. to talk about that well yeah, so, go? so a big part of my role at daily face-off is to give the daily bets every day my recommended nhl bets throughout the entire season. And my rule is, if I say it on the show, I bet it myself. Um, So I finished the year. I did my sort of year in review on the show the other day. Throughout the course of the year on the Daily Faceoff show, I recommended 332 bets. (laughs) (laughs) Which is Uh bananas. Um, I ended up on the year, assuming my math is right. uh, Don't double check me on this because my record might be off by like three or four. But I went 173, 155 and three, which is actually really good. I finished the year up 12 units or just under 12 units on the season. It's a good run. That's not too bad. You're in the money. Yeah, like up 12 units. I was pretty proud of that. Um, I also went back and I looked at who I bet on the most in terms of player props throughout the season. Uh, The players who I wagered on three times throughout the year were Claude Giroux, Alex Ovechkin, Rope Hintz and Gustav Nyquist, which is Mm. a weird one. Um, (laughs) The players I wagered on. does he play for? Columbus. I didn't even know he was in the league. He went on this run and I bet all all three of those plays were over the course of like a week because he went on this run where he was like plus 115 to get a point and he was playing top line minutes. So I just kept betting him. I think I went two for three. Um, The players who I bet on four times were McDavid, Patrice Bergeron and Nazem Kadri. And I went a perfect four for four this year betting on Nazem Kadri to get an assist. And each time or three of the four times it was plus money as well. I'll be honest. I cut those clips every single day for the daily face off show. And I couldn't believe Mika's have been a jet assist wasn't on that list. So 
I missed that when I did my year in review. I bet on Mika Zibanejad the most. It was five times this okay. season. I bet on him to get an assist and he came through <laughs> three times for me. But when I hit it, it was like plus 135, minus 105 and plus 120. So I did finish up money, just barely betting on Zibanejad. My most profitable player was actually Jeff Skinner, who I bet on twice turning $100, or if you use $100 as the standard unit, $100 into $285 and $100 into $255. So on the year, I finished up 12 units, and 25% of that profit is because I bet on Jeff Skinner twice in the last week of the regular season. (laughs) (laughs) So like, if you think back to the start of the year, uh, did you have a goal for kind of where you want to land, or is just kind of you made your way through and saw how it goes? I I didn't set a goal. Um, I started the year. So after the month of November, I was up over 15 units. Like I started so hot and in my head, I'm like, this is easy. Like I have so many games to pick from. Like I'm going to breeze through the year. And then it fell off hard. Um, What was a hard month for you? January hit me hard. I was down 10.4 units. And then in February, I was down 9.4 units. So don't call it a comeback though. Well, so from November to February, I went from up just over 15 to down 4.3 units on the year. And then in March, I started to get back towards the end of March. Those when I went on a heater and I was back up to plus 1.4 units on the year. And then April was my monster month up 10.58 units. Only reason I was profitable is because I was strong in April. And I look back at what I was betting on. And there were two things that saved my bacon. One, I went way heavier on player props. Early in the year, I was betting on favorites to win or lose, or favorites to win, sorry. And that's what led me to get really cold in the middle of the year. Finding value in player props, and keep in mind, I spend 30 minutes to an hour every day researching these, right? Depending how many games are on the slate. Finding value in player props is 100%, in my opinion, the way to go in the NHL, like me finding that the books were overlooking Jeff Skinner. That was huge. Finding that the books were overlooking Patrice Bergeron towards the end of the year and setting him at plus 130 to get an assist every night. And he was hitting it fairly consistently. The player props and also taking two monster favorites and parlaying them to win in regulation was something I had a ton of success with uh, down the stretch as well. So I think just straight up betting favorites in hockey might not be the best way to go. And next year, I'm excited to see if, you know, if I have a full season of just hammering favorites in regulation, because you need to get that extra value, I think. And also player props are probably the way to go in the NHL. I think my betting on the NHL this year, I think that... I would do a can't miss parlay for risky business at weathersnation.com every game on game days. And I think I went too heavy in favorites parlays where I would okay. put two, three, four together to try and chase the juice a little bit. But I think once you get to four, it's hard. Eh? Yeah. Cause I would also ultimately I'd be like, I'd hit three and then miss one. It was a lot of that. So I think that next year when I do that again, I'm going to tone it down to what I'm looking at for my parlays. It's funny you say about the the player props because we saw we've spoke about this almost every episode, but the dry saddle throughout the playoffs. Yeah. Plus money every game. He's hitting every game. I mentioned it a few weeks ago too, the Adam Fox thing where his points are like minus one eighty, but his assists, which he doesn't score goals, are like minus one twenty. You know, like there I I agree that I think there's way more value and trying to dig through the player props a little bit. And just, if you know, if you know the game, then you should be able to find them pretty easily yeah. rather than betting like minus minus one fifty on 
the Oilers to be Seattle or wherever it is. Yeah. And again, you need to, you need to know the trends as well and know when to Mm -hmm. hop in or out of a trend. And that was something that was a bit of a learning curve for me too. When it came to betting on props, it's like, okay, you look at a guy who has assists in four straight games. Okay. That's probably not a spot to hit because, you know, one, by that point, the books are probably catching up to it. And also he's due for a game where he doesn't get one. That's the way hockey works. No one's rattling off assists in like eight or nine straight games. Right. So eventually that trend's going to end. But the thing I had success with actually, and this is why I was hitting Zabinijad so much because this kept popping up. I would find guys who've hit it in like seven or eight of their last 10 games, but are coming off a game where they didn't get it. And trying to like get them on that sort of bounce back game is something I, I had a lot of success with. Same thing with goal scoring and a guy like Ovechkin in that middle part of the season where he started to cool off a little bit. You'd find a stretch where it's like, OK, he hasn't scored in like three games and the books are putting him down at plus 110 now. And it's like, OK, well, just hammer it because like Ovi's going to score eventually. So it takes time to kind of like comb through shit. And, and maybe that's part of the reason why next year I'll start like doing more of a dedicated daily blog for like player props, right? Like if I'm sitting there combing through shit, I'll put it out there. Cause I, I still, I think if you can dig through the data and dig through the info every day, there's like money to be made on that. What about now that we're in the middle of baseball season? What are you looking at when it comes to betting on the Jays or just beyond man? It's Jays parlayed with their team total. Like this team does not win low scoring games. If you're going to bet on them to win, just parlay it with them over four and a half runs. Like their last, let's go their last like five, six wins, beat the Red Sox, scored six, beat the Red Sox, scored seven, scored nine in a win against the Brewers, nine in a win against the White Sox, 10 in a win against the Yankees, seven, 11, six, 10, seven, eight, eight. And seven. Those are how many runs they've scored in their wins in the month of June 12 as well against Mini. Like all they do when they win, it's because their bats come alive. So they're they're not a team that's going to win low scoring games. Um, So that's something I'm still having success with. I'm not betting on them every game. But when I do, you use the bet builder, or the same game parlay, courtesy of our friends at Points Bet Canada. And you just take them with over four and a half runs and you're set and your payouts in plus money, even if they're favorites. Liam, basketball's over. Hockey's over. What are you looking at these days? Um, I'm kind of on the uh, baseball train too when I am betting daily. Like what I try and do is similar to what Tyler said, but I do it on teams. Like the Dodgers are always a good team to do it on. Like they just are always such heavy favorites. So if you just bet the run line, but then do the team total in runs of like three and a half, four, you can usually get it to like plus 150. And I think you can just do that with all the favorites around the league when they're, when they're heavy favorites against teams and they're hitting like, fairly often for me i think that's a good way to go well even like baseball too like if you i know we just spoke about in the nhl the favorites maybe aren't as likely to win but if you have a good pitcher on a good team playing against a bad team like the a's or whoever it is like you just combine a few of those together like i found those have been pretty successful for me too Mm. but we are in the dog days of betting to say the least yeah. And F1 is where I'm pretty much putting my money. I actually had a pretty good week last week in F1. 
Did you manage to watch the race? I watched the race. Yeah. But it it was, uh, so I was up for a wedding in BC. So the nice part about it was it was on the Sunday of the wedding. So it was later in the afternoon. I was worried about it at first when I saw that it was on the Sunday, but I did get to watch the race. I did get to see how it played out. So I'm looking forward to the, uh, the British Grand Prix this weekend. Yes. I think a British Grand Prix is a lot faster from what I hear. Like it's a pretty speedy trek. The Canadian Grand Prix, though, I thought he was pretty fun. I thought he was a good one. There was a lot that was going on. Like, guys were falling out of the race, like, fairly often, which I guess, like, you don't want to see, like, guys do that, especially when you bet on them, like Mick Schumacher. That poor guy. That guy literally cannot catch a break. I don't know what he has to do anymore to get, get a point in a race, but he's actually doing well. And What did he finish? Like, six or something like that? I think he started, like, P6. I think he, and then he's like racing around. He's actually doing really well, like halfway through the race and all of a sudden engine failure, not even like it wasn't even his fault. And I put money on him to get points. Shouldn't have, shouldn't have listened to myself because I bet on him every single, I've lost money on Mick Schumacher nine (laughs) weeks in a row. And he, I just, I just want to believe and this week I will believe again at plus 250 to score points. Looking at the Canadian Grand Prix, I actually did put one bet in that hit the lot. The odds were low. Uh, I had Leclerc finishing top 10 because he started okay. at the back of the pack because he got that penalty. Um, yeah. So he ended up finishing in fifth place. So I did win that, but the, the odds weren't great there. But, you know, it wins a win. You take them. Money at the end of the day. I uh, have you looked at what you're going to do for this week's race? Oh, another one I had was Archon to finish in the top six, which hit he finished six. But I was really worried for the last like 10 laps of the race because Alonzo was right on his tail. Yeah. And he was asking to pass Archon because he was faster, but it just yeah. kind of didn't work out because of how close Bottas was. And I was, I was legit sweating it out for those last 10 laps. So, okay. I've already lost my Mick one. So if I can get the arc on one, at least I'll come out on plus. And I got it. And I felt kind of bad for Fernando too, but I'm not sure what to expect considering he started second. Like yeah. he was never going to win the race. They just yeah. not fast enough at all. So I was hoping he could like maybe squeak out a podium. It's always cool to see like different guys get on there, but yeah of seventh or whatever he did. It was a really good finish for Alpine. Yeah, it was. Um, looking at this week, the like qualifying obviously hasn't happened yet, so it's a little bit tricky to put some bets down, but like it's hard to see Max Verstappen to win at plus 100 and just be like, well, you know, maybe a little sprinkle before we even get going here. I don't know. Again, this is my first season really digging into F1. So I don't know how he's generally performed at the British Grand Prix historically. But um, when you see plus 100 on Max Verstappen to win early on, well, I'm intrigued by that. I know last year he left the race because Hamilton won. I think he, I think you're in a collision with something and, and left the race. But yeah, like how can you not bet max? We said it when we previewed the Canadian Grand Prix to like even money for a guy who's literally winning every single race Yeah, and everyone else around him is just falling apart. Like I think it's a pretty good one. I'm looking at some of the British guys to do well, like Lando Norris right here is plus 120 to finish in the top six. I might do that. I know McLaren's not been great, but I always feel as if like you've almost got to bet on those hometown guys to 
to perform where they are. Like the one race they get a year back there. And I could see that. Like, I don't see Lewis doing anything too, too crazy. Like maybe a podium finish, but I could see him just finishing top six and then George Russell just locking him for a top five finish. It doesn't matter. Like I, it's free money, honestly. Like yeah, it is. every single race. Uh, one I'm looking at specifically, like you just said, it's the, it's the British Grand Prix coming up this weekend. George Russell right now, I'm looking at a top three. So if he podiums, it's plus 300. I'm intrigued by that because like you said, he's finished top five every race so far. So, you know, maybe he's, maybe this is the one he sneaks in there, right? Yeah. I'm still, yeah. I'm still gun shy on Ferrari. Although I'm looking at Charles Leclerc to win qualifying at minus minus one eighteen. I'm like, well, <laughs> you know, he's qualifying is his grand prix lately. So maybe yeah. that's a move there as well. As well. He's missed a Saturday, the label you don't really want, but yeah, no, he's done well. The one you want. No. Um, and yeah, I like the Russell one actually. Cause last week too, it kind of felt like he was letting Lewis get ahead of him a little bit because if like Lewis had had a pretty tough week with like the porpoising and stuff and was saying like how bad the Mercedes car was. Like, I think he might have even labeled it as like the worst car he's ever drove and then finished third in the Grand Prix. So yeah. take that for what it is, but that might be a good one. The one I'm like, I like a lot just because of how well they've done recently is Alpine to both cars to finish in points is minus 120. There's not a ton of juice behind it, but it's hitting three or four races. So that's where I would go. And of course, Mick, you got to bet on Mick until he does it. How about this one then? If you're doing a head to head, Mick Schumacher versus Kevin Magnuson is a plus 150 if you're going head to head. Hmm. But um, I don't know. I guess Magnuson hasn't really been doing that well either. He hasn't recently. really. I had both of those guys in my DraftKings for the, like I had a couple of different lineups um, and it just, it did not go well for me, Leo. Magnuson had a tough one last week too. I can't even remember what happened properly. Like, wasn't it a pit thing or something like that? Yeah, it was something like that. But uh, yeah, he ended up finishing in 17th, which was dead last amongst the people that actually finished the race. <laughs> Even Latifi finished ahead of him. Yes. Yes. Nick Latifi finished uh, one spot ahead of him. So uh, not an ideal finish to say the least. No, I saw a big thing on Latifi. Actually, there was a big uh, TikTok trend that they wanted everybody to vote for Latifi to finish driver of the day. <laughs> but somehow didn't even finish in the top five. So I don't know. Like, I don't know about driver of the day. I'm not a fan of it because it's never the, actually the right person who should win it. It's just like the guy who wins a race basically. Or the like Leclerc won it. Cause he went from 19th to sixth or what or fifth or whatever he was, but it's like almost expected that he does that. So, but yeah, I guess not enough love for Latifi. No love for Latifi. Although it was interesting, even just, I know this has nothing to do with betting, but watching him, obviously it was the Canadian grand prix. So he's being interviewed about it, blah, blah, blah. And then one of the first questions he was asked as I was watching the pregame show was just, Hey, uh, are you going to be back with Williams next year? Cause they're <laughs> looking for a driver apparently. And he's just like, Oh, <laughs> so yeah. Uh, if you could bet, if you're, if you're feeling fresh on Latifi, huh? And you should be maybe plus 500,000 to win. So 
Like that, that's as far as you you talked about disrespectful bets early in the NHL playoffs. Like that is a disrespectful bet. The uh, the Latifi revenge tour is alive and well. He didn't finish last in a race, so maybe in second to second, third last next next week. Like who knows? Could be anything with that guy. Might even up. crash in the formation lap like he did in Monaco. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Excellent. Uh, Excellent. I have, so, yeah, I'm, uh, I'm looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to the race this weekend. It's going to be, uh, it's going to be nice to see. It's a, it's an 8 a.m. start here, 8 a.m. mountain. So a little bit early, but not too early. I like that. Not too early. Um, one other thing I wanted to talk about really quickly was the Bob McKenzie effect. Yes. Yes. So yesterday, Bob McKenzie and Daily Faceoffs Chris Peters has been on this almost half the season. So Shane Wright is number two on Bob McKenzie's draft list now. Yeah. Yep. And what's his name? Yuri Slavkovsky, I think that's how you say it. Yeah. Is second, is number one on his list. So when we spoke a couple of weeks ago, Shane Wright was the absolute clear favorite to go first overall. I think it was even like minus two, 2,500 or something crazy like that, wasn't it? It was like not even worth betting on. No. Now he's minus 250 and Slavkovsky is plus 175. So I wanted to throw that out there. What's interesting. So this actually popped up the day before the McKenzie rankings came out and it caught my attention. And then when the McKenzie rankings came out, I was like, damn, like they knew something we didn't. I'm so intrigued by this because right now I'm seeing Shane Wright on points bet Canada at minus 200. I just can't see the Habs in their own building walking up to that stage and not taking the Canadian kid. And I guess if there's anyone who's going to do it, it's an American born president of hockey ops and Jeff Gorton who might be sitting there going, no, I don't care about him being Canadian. We're taking the best player. And maybe they view that as Yuraj Slavkowski, but I just, I have a hard time thinking they won't take Shane, Wright. I wonder what are you do? if, what are we going to do on the band? Yeah. What are you going to do with that, Tyler? I think, I think I'm going to bet Shane Wright, but I think if I wait a couple more days, I might get him at like minus 150. I was thinking that too. Like, I think like this is only a day and the odds have gone down drastically. So I have a feeling that if we kind of just wait this thing out a little bit, a couple of days, maybe give it the weekend, you know, people talk about it a little bit more. Could we see Shane Wright get to even money? Do you think? I don't think it'll go that far. I think Shane Wright will always be the favorite. The thing with McKenzie's ranking that makes it interesting is it's not Bob's opinion, right? It's mm-hmm. him surveying other NH or him surveying NHL scouts. But a point that Frank or Chris Peters brought up, sorry, on the Daily Faceoff show was we don't know if he talks to a Montreal Canadian scout. Also, we don't really know how close it was either. Like this could be six scouts had Slavkovsky at one, four had or even less than that it could be five had Slavkovsky four had right one had Cooley that's close and if it's shifting the odds this much like even minus 200 you're gonna bet 100 bucks on that you know you're only making 50 but I think this is a really good spot to just hammer Shane right I I think he goes one me too for two reasons one I think Montreal need help right now with players and I think Shane Wright can go straight into the lineup and play and I don't think Slavkowski, Slavkowski, if he gets drafted first overall, plays in the NHL next season. 
Do you think that too? Or what do you think on that? Yeah, I don't, I don't think, I'm not sure if any of these three play. I wouldn't be surprised if they sent Shane right back. I, I wouldn't either. And I think they would, because now the pressure is off on taking first overall picks after what Buffalo did with Owen power. And so how effective it was like, he was pretty good when he played. So, and I do think Shane Wright still has a little bit to prove in the OHL. Mm-hmm. Like, I think he still has a little bit there to left behind. He, didn't ha- he had a great year, but he didn't have a did. usual first overall pick year. And then he didn't even, re- like, even at the World Juniors, like, Connor Bedard was a star, not Shane Wright. Like, was Shane Wright top five player on that team? Yeah. Like, I, like, I just it's think close. of when... McDavid, for example, like when he was in the world juniors, like he was super noticeable and obviously they only played like what, four or five games. So it's a little bit different, but that would be one reason. And my second reason is, is like what you said, like he's Canadian, like who, I Montreal haven't drafted first overall for a long time, right? Long, long time. Yeah. Have they, they, just, ever? they have to, I, uh, they would have back in like the seventies. I think they like took someone. Yeah. Um, I can't think of anyone off the top of my head, but I, yeah, I don't know. I just don't see anything like that changing in the sense of like, yeah, like we're not going to take shame. Right. And Canadian kid home built. Could you imagine? Like, what do you think the react? I don't even know if the reaction would be disappointment. Cause I think Slavkovsky is obviously a good player, but I think shock is probably a good word. Like I, I almost yeah. wanted to happen to see the reaction live in the building. Which you'll be at. I will be there. Yes. Um, yeah. I, I'm really intrigued, man. Like, I think it'll be Shane Wright, but clearly there are a lot of scouts who don't think that way. So um, we'll see how it plays out. The draft is interesting. Um, the other thing, I talked about this on one of the real life, on real life podcasts the other day. Connor McDavid didn't win the Hart Trophy. Austin Matthews did. Mm-hmm. I think there is no denying after watching the playoffs. I think there's no denying after watching the playoffs who the best player in the world is and who's most valuable to his team. And I think it's Connor McDavid. I mm-hmm. think this year was just Matthew scored 60. That hasn't been done in a long time. You need to show respect to that. He had a great season, a little bit of voter fatigue from always having McDavid in the mix. Matthew's won. That's cool. I would imagine McDavid opens the year around even money to win the Hart Trophy next season. Even if it's like minus 120, hammer it hammer it the first sight you get of it you don't even have to read mcdavid on the odds board as soon as you see connor click it bet it he's winning the heart <laughs> trophy next year there's no way he's not winning the heart trophy in 22 23 do you do you think he'll be the favorite though he will i think he will i think there's no way they don't put him as the favorite just because i think if they don't there'll be a slew of money coming in if matthew scores 60 again next year it'll be like that's great you did it again but the wow factor is gone from it right it's not mm-hmm. like wow first player it's it'll be like, okay back-to-back 60 goal seasons legendary shit he's a, the best goal scorer in the league no doubt but i think the carryover of the hype from mcdavid leading the playoffs and scoring without playing in the finals Along with, again, a year off from people not voting him. I think it'll we'll get to the point next year where it's like, yeah, it's McDavid's league again. Like, don't worry about it. I think that's a good point, actually. The hype from the playoffs. And I also think a big reason why McDavid didn't win it this year. Obviously, like you said, the 60 points and 100 points from 60 goals, 100 points from Matthews. Crazy numbers. I rightfully so. He deserved to win that trophy, which firstly, I thought it was whack the backlash that I got on Twitter. Yeah. I don't really know what people expected. Um, 
Secondly, it seems like a reason why he didn't win was because the Oilers were kind of in and out of the playoffs for that, that part of the season, right? Like they weren't a consistent good team throughout mm-hmm. this year. They, I think they'll be consistently good throughout the entire year. Like Woodcross going to be there. And we just saw what happened with him. It wasn't just like a 10 game span of like, Oh, they got a new coach. This is what it is. This is this team now. Like they went to the conference finals, which is the disrespect of that. I think is nuts. And no one's talking about them being a really good team again yeah. next season. And I also think too, we don't even know who McDavid's line mates are going to be like, is Kane going to be back? Like, will it be Pugliavi? Like, we don't know. Like there could be two fresh faces next to him. So I wonder how much that adds into it. It's like, Oh, well he's playing with this guy and this guy now, like, but he still managed to score 120 points. Whether with Matthews, it's like, Oh, well he did it with Marner again. Yeah, that's fair. So yeah, I like the McDavid one to win. And yeah, that's the one I would go with for sure. McDavid lock, lock and loaded. Yeah, I, I agree with that 100%. I, I think that's the spot. Um, I'm also excited to see next year, like the early McDavid player props too. Like, how are they going to adjust from him being so dominant in the playoffs? Like, what are the pricings going to be on the first five games of the year for McDavid to go over one and a half points? Because I think it'll be like borderline <laughs> hilarious to see. Um, I can't remember what this was, but what was the play of his season prop last year? He, did he hit one, it or just miss? He just missed. It was 126.5. Do you think that lowers? Or do you think it goes up after his playoffs? I think it'll stay the same. I think because he didn't hit it, that's like one thing. Um, yeah, I think it's the same. And then a quick one. Matthew's goal prop. 60, 60.5, 59.5. Hmm. I think if you don't, I think again, you have to remember because it's Leafs fans betting, right? So I think if you don't set it, unless that's how they try to trap people into making the bet, right? Like you set it at 55.5 and go a little low that, you know, he's usually hurt once a year, maybe. Or suspended. Or suspended, yes. (laughs) Yeah, that's why I think, that's why I brought up the, uh, if you think McDavid would be one, because I wonder if that, uh, Leafs like fans picking so much for Matthews to win. I wonder if they would make Matthews the favorite. That would be my yeah, reason. Maybe. Like I think McDavid should be the favorite, but that's yeah. why I would think he would maybe be second. I mean, is there any reason why the Leafs should be right with the lightning for Stanley Cup odds next year? Probably not. Probably not. Who's but number one? Is it still Colorado? Colorado's plus 450 and then it jumps all the way down to plus 900 Tampa Toronto. Who's the, I don't have it in front of me. Do you have it right there? Yeah, I got it. Um, who's second in the West? It's, uh, you want to take a guess? It's Vegas. It's Vegas. Yeah. Which I don't get. They didn't make the playoffs this year. Injuries or not, that team should have made the playoffs. <laughs> and they didn't. Plus 1200 is Vegas. It's interesting to see how heavy in the East it is, right? It goes Colorado one, then it's Tampa, Toronto, Florida, Carolina, and then Vegas at 12 to one. Like how is Vegas at 12 to one? And the New York Rangers are 16 to one. I know we talked about this a little bit, but like, why are the Rangers getting disrespected? This team went to the conference finals. Check. They can do it. They showed this year. They can go on a long playoff run. Adam Fox is young. They got guys like Kako and Lafreniere who could take a step forward. Their blue line is so good and so young. And oh yeah, the Vesna Trophy uh, winner, Igor Shesterkin's there as well. Why can they not take a step forward next year? And how? You cannot, there's no logical case for saying 
the Vegas Golden Knights have a better chance to win the Stanley Cup than the New York Rangers. That makes no sense. No sense at all. Like that's the thing. Like Vegas is being so overvalued. Maybe it's because the Buckies are in Vegas. <laughs> yeah. Maybe that could be it. But the Rangers, like you could easily say they should be number two on the list. Like, is that crazy to say? Like, I think they could be way better than Tampa Bay next season. If they would have opened it plus 900 right next to Tampa, I would not have blinked twice. I would have been like, all right, makes no. sense. No, like, and even, even Carolina being that high, they should be over Carolina. hundred mm-hmm. percent. Like Carolina is a really good team. Don't get me wrong. And I guess like if Freddie Anderson was on that team, would they have beaten New York? maybe, but they didn't at the end of the day. And now here we are with Carolina somehow still above him with all the question marks around, like, can their stars get it done in the playoffs? They're probably going to lose Tony D'Angelo. It was a great offensive defenseman for them. Like Carolina is getting worse this off season, unless they go out and get a massive splash from, I don't even know where they got to find a star apparently. And then New York is getting better because all their young players just went to the conference finals won two games and were just good throughout the playoffs. Like I just, the, the argument seems very weak for New York not to be higher than now. Yeah. And I'm assuming the Oilers are like the sixth best team in the West. I would assume, let me guess. So Colorado and Vegas are above them. Yeah. Minnesota. Yeah. They're next. St. Louis. They're next. Wow. <laughs> and then, um, is it the Oilers or are they the one after? Is there a team between them? There's a team between St. Louis and Edmonton. Oh, am I miss? Oh, Calgary. Yeah. So yeah, it goes. Okay. So Vegas. Calgary is tw- might lose Johnny Gaudreau, by the way. Still there. Well, Go okay. On. So Vegas is 12 <laughs> to one. And then it goes to Mini and St. Louis at 17 to one. Minnie's losing Kevin Fiala. St. Louis, 17 to one. Calgary, 18 to one. Edmonton, 19 to one. So they're right there. Like they're pretty much the same odds, more or less. Um, but the fact that Edmonton is lower than Calgary, the only question mark on the Oilers, I get, okay, I guess Evander Kane and goaltending, right? You don't know what's going to happen there. So if they don't get a goalie and they go into next year with like Scott Wedgwood and Stuart Skinner and Kane walks and they don't replace them, like, okay, they could be worse next year. Mm-hmm. Calgary might lose Johnny Goudreau. They also still have to sign Andrew Mangiapane and, and Matt Kachuk. There's yeah. a lot more question marks in Calgary than there are in Edmonton this offseason. Edmonton is bringing back their best players. Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl will be back next season and playing. You can't say that about Calgary. Nope. And even, even Minnesota, you said Fiala. Yeah. Fleury's probably gone. They have no money to replace anybody. Like They're going to be worse. Yeah. St. Louis, Cusso's gone. Is Bennington going to go back to his regular season form or is he going to be playoff Bennington like he was? Well, there's a couple of other question marks. And then Vegas, we already spoke about Colorado. Like they're going to be, uh, uh, they'll probably win again, to be honest. Like, would you, do you think who's your, who would be your pick right now to win? Would you go back to Colorado? Yeah. I just, they're, I think they're going to bring back Kadri. They'll let a couple of fringe pieces walk, but knowing Joe Sackick, he'll find ways to replace them. And I think they could get better goaltending next season. So better, like we just Franzos and find someone else. Yeah. Like I, I mean, Kemper was good. I like Kemper as a goalie too, but I don't know. What if they go out and what if they bring in flurry and he finds a way to be better than Kemper? You know, I'm just mm-hmm. saying like they could realistically get better in some areas is my point. And it's not a lock, obviously, that Flurry would be better than Kemper or anyone they get would be better than Kemper. But I think there's a shot that they improve their goaltending 
and the rest of their core pieces are all back. Yeah, I would agree. I am. I think the NHL is in a weird spot right now. I think it's really hard to make a futures bet because I, and maybe, maybe I'm just wrong, but I just don't think there's that many teams who can actually win. Like, I think there's a lot of teams and I would even put the Oilers in this category who are like fakers. Like I think, well, you're, they're not on the Tampa, Colorado level. Exactly. And I think the only team, uh, the Rangers who can elevate to that next level. They're the only team I think that is like, okay, they could actually win. I just don't see any other team that has the pieces like that. Like even Florida, they don't have goaltending again, unless Spencer Knight becomes a star. Like he probably can. But besides that, like Toronto, we don't even know who the goalie is yet. No. And I think there's a lot of question marks. The other thing too, is it's a flat cap again, right? So the only teams that are really going to be improving are teams with money. Vegas has no money. Tampa has no money. The teams who can be most aggressive this year are pretty much all teams who are outside of the playoff picture. Colorado and Calgary have a ton of money, but that ton of free agents to sign. New Jersey, Ottawa, Detroit, Buffalo, LA. Those are the teams with a lot of money. But is there other offseason moves that are going to make any of those teams cup contenders or even bring them up to the to that next tier? which is where you'd argue that Edmonton, St. Louis, mini Calgary, and, and the, those likes are Florida, Toronto. That's the next tier. I don't think yeah. there's moves that those teams I mentioned can make to get them into that tier. It'll get, make them playoff teams maybe. But again, I, I don't think there's some big massive sleeper out there who's going to go have a stupid, huge monster offseason and suddenly be a cup contender next year. I think it's Colorado and Tampa versus the rest of the league and the Rangers. They are the one team who can make a push into that Jump. tier next season, I think. Yeah, and even those teams that you list, listed off, what was it? New Jersey, Detroit, Buffalo, Ottawa, just off the top of my head. Like, which of these teams are even making a playoffs? The Atlantic, like two of those teams, three of those teams playing the Atlantic, Detroit, Ottawa, and Buffalo are all in the same division with yeah. Tampa Bay, Florida, and Toronto. And Toronto and I, think Boston. Boston, I think Boston could miss next year. I think Washington yeah. could miss next year. Yeah, I think, no Backstrom. Yeah, that's true. Backstrom gone. Goalie, he missed a lot of the year last mark. year. Goaltending is a question mark. They're getting older, right? Um, I could see what, like my way too early. We don't know how the summer plays out. I wouldn't be surprised if the top of the Metro stays the same. Carolina, New York, Pittsburgh. Top of the Atlantic stays the same. Florida, Toronto, Tampa. And you get one of Buffalo, Detroit, or Ottawa. Or New Jersey or the Islanders. Like two of those five, I think, could sneak in. Or it's just going to be a way closer race than at least it was this year where it was like Christmas. And we were like, all right, we know who the eight are like seal it up. Yeah. Yeah. Like that. I would agree with that. And then if you look over in the Pacific, I think the only team well, Vegas, I guess, I think the Pacific will actually be a little tighter this year. Cause I think Vegas will obviously be a bit better. And also Vancouver. Yeah. You know, Vancouver, you think Vancouver could make a step into the playoffs too? Yeah. They like could. I'm just thinking like, if is this, like eventually they'll come out and they'll be bets where like, well, this team make the playoffs or not. Like I wonder if the Pacific will just become the central this year where five teams make it. Yeah, you know, it could. Yeah. That's, that's right. kind of, I think that's something I'll look at when the odds come out. Uh, what team, the playoff odds, like playoff, the odds to miss, like maybe a wild miss. Maybe, mm-hmm. maybe the Minnesota wild just straight up miss the playoffs. 
may, I don't know, like, is that division going to be good enough? Like is, I think Dallas is going to be interesting too. Like mm-hmm. is Austin, you're going to be able to do what he did for the playoffs for the season. Like, I don't know. Like he's a good goalie. Like even mm-hmm. the depth on that team maybe isn't good enough yet. Like I think there's a lot of question marks around the NHL on what teams are actually good and what teams aren't good. Like I said. Yeah, let's wrap this thing up uh, by talking a little bit about what we're doing more recently or more immediately with our money. I'm going to give you my favorite thing to do tonight for the Toronto Blue Jays Boston Red Sox game. I've been on fire with my bet builders in this Jays Red Sox series. First game of the series, I hit a plus 130 that I had, you know, kind of about half a unit on. And then I put a little sprinkle on a 16 to one bet builder that I shared in our Twitter community. Um, Jays minus one and a half, Gosman seven plus Ks. Bichette and Chapman to both get a hit. Vladdy to hit a home run. Jays over five or four and a half runs. And they hit it all. So that was a big win. And then last night I did Vladdy two plus bases and uh, Blue Jays win as well. Those both hit thanks to Vladdy's walk off single tonight. Mm -hmm. This is the play. This is absolutely the play. If you think the Jays are going to win Blue Jays money line, Alec Manoa over four and a half strikeouts. Blue Jays over four and a half runs plus 200. Lock it up. I'm in. I like the Blue Jays bet builders. Yeah. It gives me a reason to be involved in the game. Mm -hmm. So uh, shall we do a little BLT sandwich between the two of us? Okay. Bag milk had to run. Um, So sure. Between the two of us, what do you want to do? I'm just going to go straight up Dodgers money line. Okay. I like that. Against the Rockies. Yep. So that's minus 200. Minus 200. Um, I will go, hmm, where do I want to go with this one? I'm going to go Alec Manoa over five and a half strikeouts. I think he's going to have a big game tonight. Okay. So what does that get us to plus one eighty one? There you go. That'll work. That will work. Nice little plus one eighty one BLT sandwich to wrap up today's episode of the podcast. Shout out to our friends at points bet Canada and uh, shout out to you, Liam. That's going to do it for another episode. Talk to you next week. See ya. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.